0: Thank you for listening to the teaching podcast of Muncie First Church. If you would like to know more about us, go to com. Or if you would like to support a ministry, go to the giving page, com slash give. Well, let's jump into the teaching from this last week. Um, it's been a pleasure to be here. Thank you so much. Thank you, Pastor, for the invitation. and. uh You have your Bibles. Um, I want us to I want us to look at two passages. I'm going to first start in Isaiah 55. Isaiah 55. Um, Have you ever. um, You ever just had a passage of scripture, you you just read and reread and then read and then reread and you just couldn't get over it and and this is one for me and i keep reading it and it keeps saying the same thing and so isaiah 55 and and we'll go then we'll go to mark chapter 4 but 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 look at this verse in verse 11 mark chapter uh, or uh, isaiah 55 verse 11, uh, verse 10 isaiah 55 verse 10 for as the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return without watering the earth and making it bear and sprout, furnishing seed to the sower and bread to the eater. So, so he's talking about the natural. See, in verse 10, he's talking about the natural. And he's saying, snow and water come down out of the earth and it's effectual. It does something to the earth. There's, it's impossible for the water to come down and not do anything to the soil. So it it actually waters the earth, makes it bare, makes it sprout, and furnishes seed for the sower and bread for the eater. Now he goes from the natural to the spiritual in verse 11. So will my word which goes forth from my mouth... Look at this line. It will not return to me empty. Doesn't that just bless you? That the word will not return empty. The word empty means without an effect. Meaning that the word always has an effect. When you sow the word of God, it always has an effect. Always. He goes on to say, without accomplishing what I desire and without succeeding or prospering in the matter for which I sent it. So so God is saying, just as the water that comes down and hits the earth and produces something, it's going to be the exact same thing when my word is dispatched out of my mouth, it's going to accomplish something. It always will. Nothing is stronger or more potent than the Word of God. Nothing. 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 Think about for a moment how creation occurred. In Genesis chapter 1, verse 2, we have the Spirit who is hovering or brooding, and the Scripture says in Genesis 1, verse 2, over the face of the deep. Scholars believe it was just chaos. So waters, chaos, the abyss. But you have the Spirit who is brooding. Now what's it mean to brood? It means to wait with anticipation. So what was the Spirit doing at creation? Waiting with anticipation. Why was the Spirit waiting for anticipation? Because the Spirit was waiting for God to release His Word. And the moment God released His Word, verse 3... All that chaos became order. Everything that was messy became directional. Why? Because God spoke a word, and the moment he released the word, that word had power to it, and it prospered in the very thing that it was released to do. See, that's the power of the word. You and I cannot release the word and it not do anything. It's powerful. Isaiah 40, verse 8, flowers and fields pass away, but not the word. 1 Peter 1:25 The word is imperishable, living and enduring. Verse 23 says it's the imperishable seed. Mark 13, 31 says, heaven and earth passes away, but not the word. Hebrews 4, 12, it is living and active. 2 Timothy 3:16, it was breathed into life, and it is the thing that corrects us and enables us to be equipped for every good work. It's the power of the word. The word is so powerful that it always affects what it's been sown into. Isn't that good news? Ezekiel chapter 37. Don't have to turn. Remember, he was standing there, and it's just this valley of dry bones. And, and God speaks to him and says, I want you to prophesy, I want you to speak, I want you to preach. I want you to, I want you to say to these bones, come alive. And What did he do? He spoke the word into those bones and dry bones became a living army. Why? Because he released the word. He released the word. See, that's the power of the word. I love the word. I love the word. Um, Gang, I love the word, both written and spoken. God's living word. How many of you know, you know, you know the difference, don't you? This is the written word. And when you read the written word, what happens? Uh, You're inspired by the the living word, right? There's a a word for that. This is generally called logos. And the crema is the spoken word. The the spoken word is what you sense or feel when you're reading the written word. And so when, when you're reading the word and it speaks to you, what's actually speaking to you? The living word is speaking to you from the written word. And it's happened to every one of us, right? You've been reading that and said, oh my goodness, that's a verse for me. Okay, trust the written and spoken word. It always succeeds in the thing it was sewn into. All right, that's a backdrop. That's a backdrop. Go to Mark chapter four. Mark chapter four. Look at this. Th- this, this is exciting to me. Everything's exciting to me. Anyway, look at Mark chapter 4. Okay, now we're going to read in moment in a moment verses 35 to the end of the chapter. But I want you to see how verse 35 begins because it's very significant. Look how verse 35 begins. Are you ready? On that day. Stop right there. On that day on that day we'll come back to that on that day when evening came he said to him them let us go over to the other side leaving the crowd they took him along with them in the boat just as he was and other boats were with him and there arose a fierce gale of wind and waves were breaking over the boat so much that the boat was already filling jesus himself was in the stern asleep on a cushion And they woke him, and they said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? And he got up and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Hush, be still. And the wind died down, and it became perfectly calm. And he said to them, Why were you afraid? Do you still have no faith? Now this all takes place, but I want you to see verse 35 again. On that day. On that day. What day? It was a day in which Jesus was teaching about sowing seed, sowing the word. And he told three profound parables, three stories about sowing and reaping. The first one he tells about in verse 14 and following. And in verse 14, here's the first story. The sower sows the word. Now again, When the sower sows the word, he is sowing the most profound, powerful thing on the planet. The sower sows the word. Now, you've been through this. There's four different types of hearts. But the heart that Jesus emphasized is verse 20. The sower sows the word, and here's the ones with a good heart, and they receive it, they hear it, they accept it, and they bear fruit. Look at this, 30, 60, and 100-fold. And I believe that Jesus is trying to say that if we have a receptive heart to the seed that is sown into us, that every one of us can bear not just 30, not just 60, but I believe we can mature to the place that we all bear a hundredfold crop. I don't think Jesus was talking about three different people. I think he was talking about one person who matures in the receptivity of the word and in the stewardship of the word until they produce a hundredfold. Why do I say that? Because my grandfather was a farmer and never once did he ever plant a field and he would say to me, I want that field just to be 30. Now that one can be 60. 60. Now, that one I want to be a hundredfold. Every time he planted, he wanted a hundredfold crop bearer. He wanted each field to produce. I think Jesus is saying, if we will mature and steward the word that's been planted in in us, we can produce 30 and then 60 and eventually a hundredfold. You know what I'm saying tonight? Every person in here can be a hundredfold crop bearer. Every one of you have the capacity to take seed sown into you and produce a crop a hundredfold. Isn't that good news? It is. That's the first story. Then he tells the second story in verse 26 and following. Verse 26 is the fact that the soil produces what's sown in it. In other words, the soil reveals the seed. If you plant corn, you get what? Corn. Corn. If you plant wheat, you get wheat. If you plant peas, you get... If you plant beans, you get... This is real deep, isn't it? Right? I gardened for 18 years. I never planted something and got something different. And so Jesus is simply saying the soil reveals the seed. If you plant this seed, you get this crop. Okay, what's he talking about? A kingdom seed. And if you plant the word of God, you get the word of God in a harvest. That's the second one. Third one. The third story is verse 30 and following, and I love this one. This one is the fact that the seed that is sown is like a mustard seed. It's the small seed. And I was looking at this, in first century, the mustard seed was almost... You could hardly see it. It was smaller than actually the mustard seeds today. And Jesus says, here's this little teeny mustard seed. You can barely see it, and it doesn't look like much. But when you sow that little teeny seed into the soil and you say, I don't know, Jesus says that seed grows up. And produces a harvest. Look, it grows so large, it's larger than any garden plants. And birds come and begin to find shade in the foliage of what's been sown. Three profound stories of sowing the word. And then he says to his disciples on that day, ready? Let us go over to the other side. What was so significant about that day? Because he said, I want to activate now. I want to show you what can happen when we actually take the word and go sow it. I want to show you what can take place when we actually take the word, the imperishable seed, and begin to sow it in the lives of people. Now, I got to tell you something about the other side. The moment Jesus said, let us go to the other side, I can imagine the disciples' hearts just dropping. You know why? What was on the other side? Gerasenes. Gerasenes was known as Gerasa. Gerasa was an area that was overrun by Roman occupation. In first century, the most militant power on the planet was Rome. And Rome literally, history tells us, literally conquered this area called Gerasa, an area called Decapolis, Deca, which is 10, Pulus, which is city, Decapolis, 10 cities. The whole area was overrun by Roman occupation. 150 years prior to this time, Rome sent in a legion. A legion is 6,000, and 6,000 soldiers went in. And history tells us they plundered the area. They they raped the women. They, They killed the men. They just utterly plundered the area, and then they indigenized it. And that means they tried to transform the culture of that area to make it look just like Rome. It was not a safe place. Where was Jesus? He was in Capernaum. In Capernaum, there was a synagogue on every street corner. They were open to the gospel. They were open to the the teaching of the scrolls. Jesus said to his disciples, if we're going to plant seed, let's go to the other side. (laughs) Oh, no. (sighs) Do you see the application? Jesus always will move us from our comfortable zone. I wish he didn't do that. I'd much rather be comfortable. Amen. I would much rather be comfortable. But Jesus wants you and me to leave the safety of where we are and go into the hard places and sow the seed. He wants us to sow the seed to the people who are bound by addictions. He wants us to sow seeds in people whose marriages are hanging by a thread. He wants us to sow seed in places that are overrun by immorality and drugs and polluted with with all kinds of stuff. He wants us to sow seed in hard places. Here's the deal, he's going to ask all of us if we're willing to go to the other side. The fact is, every one of us in this room have a garasa. We have a garissa. I told you the other night, our garrison was across the street, man. And we, we had to witness to them when they weren't interested in being witnessed to. But that was our garrisa. And all of us have a garasa. All of us have a place on the other side that Jesus is saying, Hey, I want you to go sow the seed." Might be someone you work with, might be someone you know, might be someone in your family. we've all got some rascals in our family, right? <laughs> okay, what was on the other side? Well let's take a look. chapter five. in chapter five, Jesus gets to the other side and look at verse two immediately. the moment his sandals hit the soil of the other side. Immediately he is met by a man with an unclean spirit and and look at verse three, he was dwelling among the tombs he was living that means he had his abode he That was all he knew. he was a tomb dweller he lived among the tombs that was his home he could not have been he couldn't be bound he couldn't be shackled he couldn't be chained he couldn't be subdued. And and this is kind of sad. Check this out. In verse 5, constantly, night and day, he was screaming among the tombs and in the mountains, gashing himself with stones. You know what that says to me? Tonight, there's people in, quote, Gerasa, who are screaming in the pain and the anguish they're living in. And you and I have the imperishable seed that can change that. Tonight, tonight, there are people who are literally cutting themselves. Do you know that cutting starts as early as nine years old? You know what cutting is, don't you? It's just the physical manifestation of the pain in the heart of someone who's so broken. And feel so disp- so much despair, they literally cut themselves. We've had this at our church. My daughter in law tells the story that she used to do that. It's quite a story. It's quite a testimony how God healed her from all of that. But there's people in anguish tonight in Garrison, in your community, maybe across the street, maybe at the school, maybe someone down the road. There's people maybe surrounding the property of this place. Here's the deal. Tonight they're screaming. They're in anguish. They're 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 in bondage. All they know is tomb style life. Even though they may be prospering, they're dwelling among the tombs. And Jesus confronts this guy. It's amazing. And here's what's interesting: when Jesus, oh by the way, Jesus says, "What is your name?" Humble opinion. I don't think Jesus was asking the demons their name. You know why? Because I don't think Jesus values demons. I think he values people. I think he was asking the man his name. I don't think Jesus cared about demons. I think Jesus values people. And he said to the man, what is your name? The parallel to this in Luke says he was suddenly seized. And then he speaks... My name is Legion. Do you know what the name Legion means? 6,000. So the man actually has 6,000 demons working in him. 6,000 demons. That's a lot of demons. 6,000 demons. However, 6,000 demons and the man still runs to Jesus and bows down. Why? Because the anointing Jesus carries is greater than the bondage on him. Let me just stop for a moment and just say this. All of us here tonight, remember we stepped across that line, we broke that, that, remember the stretchy band Sunday night? And, And we're following the Spirit? Please understand this. Tonight, you host, you steward, you broker a greater level of anointing in you than the bondage that's on people out there. And you don't have to hold up a sign and say, look at me. All you have to do is just walk Walk down the aisle. The next time you go to Meyer, when you step into Myers, just think for a moment. I carry his presence. You, you carry his presence. You, you carry his everywhere you go. Jesus, all he did was just step onto that land. Step onto that soil. Step onto the dirt. And here's a man with 6,000 demons rolling around in him. And he runs to Jesus and bows down. Remarkable. And Jesus takes him through the one-step program. Be gone. (laughs) Isn't that awesome? (laughs) I just love that. And 6,000 demons enter into 2,000 pigs. It's the first place in the Bible we have deviled ham. <laughs> that's not very funny, is it? That's, that's terrible. Okay, I'm sorry. No more. No more. That's kind of stupid. My wife says, don't, don't say that. But she's not with me, so I can get by with it tonight. Yes. Now, now check this out. I think this is fascinating. 6,000 demons into 2,000 pigs, and the pigs rush off a cliff And they drown. Why would Jesus cast demons into pigs? You know what's interesting? The Roman legion carried around a great big mascot on a pole. On one side was an eagle. On the other side was a pig. (laughs) Do you see the significance? Jesus is basically saying, I'm declaring war. I have a stronger kingdom. The kingdom that I represent is greater than the kingdom of Rome. And so Jesus literally was taking their mascot and drowning it in the water. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) That's just unbelievable to me. Well, the people who are... and, And I can just imagine... Have you ever been around pigs, by the way? I did a camp meeting... And beside the camp was a herd of 500. 500. And it smelled like it, too. It was unbelievable. When the breeze would go this way, it was an old-fashioned camp that had the no 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 windows. It just they opened up these things and flies everywhere. It was like the plague of flies. They were everywhere because they off these pigs, right? And if the wind would shift, it would come through there. I'm trying to preach the gospel, and it just was nasty in there. It was like, oh, my goodness. They were used to it, though. They were like, you know. And anyway... It just was, that's 500 pigs. Can you imagine 2,000? And what would it be like to watch 2,000 pigs rush off a cliff and drown? Well, the people who are tending the herd, they go back into the city, verse 14, and, and it says, come see what has happened. And I think this verse is funny. Look at verse 15. They come out. And they observed the man who had been demon-possessed. Now remember, he had been dwelling in the tombs. He had been screaming, naked probably, and, and wild and frantic and scary. And, and Mark, or Matthew 8 says the place was impassable because he was so wild. So they come out and they see the guy sitting down, clothed and in his right mind, and then they become frightened. Like, like they weren't frightened before. Oh, that's just old Joe. He's been that way for a long time. But the moment he gets transformed, they get frightened. And I find that fascinating because sometimes, watch, we become so used to people in their bondage. We become so used to people, well, that's just the way they are. That guy's always negative. Well, that that guy is always mean. No, she's always just nagging that no, they're always on drugs, they're always drinking. we get used to people, but here's the deal: when the seed and the presence of God starts to manifest, it changes those things. Real revival actually sets people free. Bondage is not normal. Freedom is normal. <laughs> it's the power of the gospel. Amen. Oh, they're frightened. But I thought about something. They were in Roman occupation. They were in an area overrun by Rome. Rome had no problems with eating bacon. So you know what happened? Their delicatessens just ran off the side of the cliff. (laughs) There goes their bacon. There goes their pork chops. There, There goes their barbecue it's it's over it's it's just their food supply just ran off the cliff and drowned and so these guys look at this verse 17 implore him the word implore shows up quite frequently in the book of mark the word implore means to beg it's literally begging. They're begging Jesus, please, please, please leave the region. Just leave the region. We don't want you anymore. Now you think about this. Had I been there, I would have been upset. Oh my gosh. We come all the way over here to the other side. I got my CDs and tables and books all set up. I'm ready for a long crusade and we're getting thrown out of Dodge after one meeting. And not only one meeting, only one convert. Pretty transformational at least, but, but, but one guy and the meeting is over. I would have been so upset. And, and, and plus, check this out. The guy wants to accompany Jesus. He says, I want to go with you. So now you could at least go from 12 disciples to 13. Jesus doesn't let him. Jesus doesn't let him. The guy just got born again, just got transformed. He wants to travel with Jesus. And Jesus says, verse 19, go home to your people and watch. Report to them what great things the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. You know what Jesus was saying to this guy? Don't miss this. Go back to your home and sow seed. Go back to your home and sow seed. Go back to your friend. Sometimes our best chance at redemption at large are people who are freshly born again. Turn them loose. Go sow seed. This guy, go sow seed. Now, watch this in verse 20. They went away, and he went away and began to proclaim in Decapolis what great things. Jesus had done for him and everyone was amazed so Jesus comes to a hard area sows seed and one guy gets transformed now watch this and one guy goes back to his home country and starts sowing seed now before we go any further On first appearance, it would look like this was a wasted effort. Even though one guy got born again, a lot of trouble to get to the other side for just one guy. I got to tell you, in ministry, there's been so many times that I have done something, I put so much hope and faith and effort and money and resources, and it didn't turn out the way I thought it was that ever happened to you? It's like, now watch, but remember what we are sowing. We are sowing the imperishable seed, the seed that cannot return void. Go with me to Mark chapter 7. I I want you to see this. (laughs) This is awesome. Mark chapter 7. Look at verse 31. Okay, before I read this, look up here. This is six months later. Six months later from the first time Jesus was thrown out of this area. Six months later, watch, verse 31. Mark 7, verse 31. Again, he went out from the region of Tyre and came through Sidon to the Sea of Galilee within the region of what? What? Look at verse 32, they brought to him, they brought to him, they brought to him one who is deaf and spoke with difficulty and they, oh, look at that word, implored. Well now six months before they're saying you got to leave, six months later they're saying we beg you, please stay. Six months before, you got to get out of here. Six months later, they're saying, could you stick around? Six months before, please don't touch anymore. Just just. six months now, they're begging him. And watch, the crowds are so thick that when you go into chapter 8, guess what happens? He now feeds a crowd of what? 4,000. Holy shit stars. Historian Ray Vanderlaan says, how do you suppose 4,000 people came to hear Jesus six months after he got thrown out of the region? Because one guy who had eternal seed imperishable seed sown into him went into a city and began to sow that imperishable seed into other people and now 4,000 people are standing around Jesus to hear what he has to say. Here's what I'm saying. It may look bleak, difficult, and challenging for us to go sow seed into hard places but this group right here is enough to literally shake Muncie with the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Because all of you are sowing, not your own ideas. You're sowing the imperishable seed, the word of God that never returns void. Every time you love on someone, every time you you smile to someone, every time you buy somebody's groceries, every time you walk across the street and welcome someone into your home or bring them to church, every time you sow seed, you are sowing the imperishable seed that will not return void. And you know what guys? You might be one person away from 4000 people coming in here. Then not you have to say how about just 40? How about let's just start with 40. 40. And then 400. My point is this. You're one person away. All of us are one person away from just sowing a seed into someone that Isaiah said, will not return void. That makes me want to run around and shout. <laughs> Isn't that awesome? I love your shirt. I just really do, dude. <laughs> he came in with that Colts. I love Colts. I really do. And I'm just like, man, no, I don't want to take the shirt off his back. But anyway, don't do that. Okay, let's go back to chapter 4. And I took out a little card and I wrote down four things that I want to I encourage you tonight to do, ask you to do. Four things. Here's the first one. Number one, if, if you're taking notes, write these down. Here we go. Number one. Be willing to go into the hard places. Or let me say it this way. Be willing to take the risk. Be willing to take the risk. Be willing to take the risk. Um, After about three months traveling, Cindy and I realized we've lost contact with our neighbors. We've lost contact with people that, that we've been working with. Um, filling stations that 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 I would frequent where we live, I was you know, post office. We would minister to like the people in the post office. Just when when you live in an area, you start to minister to people in the area. All that was gone. And I said, What are we going to do now? So we asked the Lord to make us trailer park evangelists. We did. We said, God, could you make us trailer park evangelists? Um, one of my professors, you may remember this professor at, at Nazarene Theological Seminary. His name was Paul Oriala, and he was a missionary in Paris. And, and, and Dr. Oriala used to say this. When, when he first started the church in Paris, he said, there are very um, stoic you know, people, very, very difficult to break the gospel into that area. And so he used to pray this prayer, God, cause others to ask me questions about you. So I started praying that. So we'll pull into a uh, into a into like a KOA, park our rig, and then we start praying, God, cause others to ask us questions. On the back of it is the great big heart with the cross becoming love. So it's, it's kind of obvious, you know, assuming that I've driven with love. That's always a challenge. But anyway... Um, But I say, God, cause others to ask me questions. We're here. We have seed. And I'd like to tell you stories tonight that that we've had the whole camp on their knees and crying out and singing Kumbaya. That hasn't happened yet. But I will tell you this. We've sown seed. There was one young lady at a park here in Indiana at a KOA just off 70 that Cindy felt a prompting in the heart we were walking, and we checked in the night before, and the next day we got up and we walked. We tried to walk and and, and be active. And she said to me, she said, Rob, I feel like I'm to go in there and pray with that girl. I, I feel like the Lord wants me to go pray with that girl. So she went in, and she says, I feel like the Lord wants me to pray with you. And she said, I felt like when you checked in yesterday and told me that you were part of a ministry that you needed to pray for me. Isn't that wild? So my wife anyway prayed with her and we went back to stay and we're going to stay again. And now they've they've connected and built a relationship just via phone. You you see what I'm saying? What did we do? We just sowed seed. So, So here's what I'm saying. Number one, be willing to take risk. All of you tonight. I don't know what God's going to ask you to do. And here's the deal. You know this, but what he asked me to do, he's not going to ask you to do because we're all different. Every one of you have a sphere of influence that I don't have. You have people that you know, people you work with, people around you, people in your community, people you associate with, people all over the place that you have this influence. And here's what I'm saying. Simply say, Jesus, cause them to ask me questions. Just take the risk. Just take the risk. Number two, and this is a biggie. Trust the word over circumstances. Trust the word over circumstances. Trust that what you're sowing is greater than the issues they're dwelling in. You see what I'm saying? When you walk into a situation, it's going to look overwhelming many times. I'll never forget, I walked into a hospital room, a courtesy visit, as a pastor. I was asked by uh, one of our uh, prayer uh, prayer members on our prayer team. They said, would you go see so-and-so in the hospital? I didn't know them, they did. They asked me to go see him, And when I got to the hospital, the, the person tried to commit suicide. And so um, they took drugs and alcohol at the same time, and they were pumping the blood out of the person into this me- machine and putting it back in it. But but they were brain dead. They, they had the monitor up there. When I first walked in, I stood there, and the nurse was talking to me and kind of telling me what everything was. And, 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 and when I first, I just, When I first walked in, just being honest, I was overwhelmed. I was like, because it was like, and the intercessors, you know, our prayer team members standing there, I'm standing there. And and again, I didn't know the person, and I was just going really because they asked me to. and, And I'm standing there. And then this thought. I'm a child of the Lord God Most High. And I thought for a moment, what do I have to offer? True story. I heard the Lord say to me, I want you to speak to that person and tell them they're going to come out of this with no effects and you're going to go to their house and share the gospel. And I got real flush in the face. That, does that ever happen to you? It's like, And and the first thing I did was look around to see if there were any cameras. Because I was embarrassed. I was embarrassed. And it was like, I knew the Lord was talking to me. Because we hear His voice. My sheep hear my voice. John 10, 27. My sheep hear my voice. Not audibly. I don't hear him audibly. You might. I don't. It's in my heart. I know His voice. I've been walking with Him for, you know, years. He was saying, I want you to speak to this person and tell them they're going to come out of this. Now watch this. I had to trust the Word more than I did the circumstances. And so I get down on my knees, and I'm embarrassed. And I go, you're going to come out of this. And and, and at least, you know, I'm just speaking. You're going to come out of this. No residual effects. And I'm coming to your house. And I'm going to share the gospel. And I stood up. And I thought maybe the person would go boing. They didn't do that. <laughs> I was so open. I was like, yeah, see? ha! They didn't do that. They didn't do that. But I went home that night and I thought, I did Isaiah 55:11. I did exactly what the Lord told me to do. I can't argue with the Lord because he's God, I'm not. And so I go home that night. The next morning, I get a call. My friend calls me and says, "Do you know so and so?" Yeah. They came out of that. They have no residual effects. The next day, they were released, and they went to their house and presented the gospel. Isn't that awesome? Oh, my goodness. So I've never forgot. Always trust the Word. Now, it isn't always that quick. You know that. But here's the thing. You and I are sowing the imperishable seed. We're sowing something that Isaiah, God said, will not return without an effect. Amen. Trust the word over circumstances. Number three. This is a biggie. Oh, this is a biggie. Oh, this is a biggie. Are you ready? Don't lose faith in the conflict. Don't lose faith in the conflict. Tell your neighbor that real quick. Tell him tell them, just don't lose faith in the conflict. Tell them. Tell them. Don't lose faith. That's it. Don't lose faith in the conflict. I want to show you something I've never seen before. I just dug this up a few months ago. I have a joke that when... Have you ever read something in the Bible you've never seen before? I always say the ink is wet. And I'm just joking. Like, hey, that just got written in there. I never saw it before. I never saw this before. I was reading about... I don't know, four or five months ago. Obviously, in verse 37, Mark 4, verse 37, look what happened. And there arose. I'm going to show you something very interesting. Verse 37 says, and there arose a fierce gale of wind. Verse 37, Mark 4, 37. The word arose is a verb that means suddenly and without warning. Suddenly and without warning, in other words, it was not a natural storm; it was something that was conjured. Every scholar says that what this is is a preemptive strike, a demonic whirlwind it's a it's a it 's a whirlwind it 's air it's it 's this wind. look at this. There arose suddenly without warning a magos, a fierce gale of wind. And look at this. The waves were breaking over. Breaking over is a verb that means to literally keep hitting the boat over and over and over and over and over and over over again. It literally means to continue to beat the boat without end. And so you got this wind going on, you got the waves breaking over and beating the boat, and the boat is actually filling with water. I don't know a lot about boats, but I think you want water on the outside. It works better. It really seems to work better. Now, stop. Why was all this going on? And I had not seen this before. Look in chapter 5, verse 10. In chapter 5, verse 10, this demon-possessed man, 6,000 demons, watch this. Look at verse 10. See the word implore? Implored Jesus, begged Jesus. Are you ready? earnestly not to send them out of the country. They did not want to leave the region. Listen, the enemy does not care about people. The enemy only access people to gain territory. The enemy wants territory. The enemy wants Muncie, Indiana. The enemy wants Anderson. The enemy wants cities. God wants cities. That was established in Jonah 4:11 when Jonah was ticked off because Nineveh was going to repent and God said, "Should I not have compassion for Nineveh?" God wants cities. Do you remember in Joshua when when God pulled Joshua to his side and said, "Come here. Come here. See, see that's your city. I'm giving it to you. I'm giving it to you. That's your that's yours. See? Look, that's yours. I'm giving it to you." Why? Cuz God wants cities. I was listening to a a YouTube of an evangelist by the name of John Ramirez. John Ramirez was a Satanist. He was so far in to Satanic worship that he would literally not sleep at night. He would stay up at night and converse with Satan. He tells the story. John Ramirez, you can watch the YouTube. He's now an evangelist for Jesus Christ. But in this testimony, I was watching He would derive like like energy from Satan. He wouldn't sleep at night. He would just converse with Satan. And he said he would literally astroproject and go into cities across the United States and he would converse with principalities over every major city. And here's what he said that sobered me. Every principality in every city has a strategy to destroy that city. I'm telling you something you guys already know. But the enemy wants to destroy this city. We, we know, he wants to destroy America. He wants to destroy the world, for that matter, right? Come on, you know that. He comes, what, John ten ten to steal, kill, and destroy. That's his MO. That's all he's about. He's a thief. He wants to steal, kill, and destroy. The enemy has a strategy. He's not just running around saying, who can I tempt? That's not how he works. He has a strategy to destroy families, homes, marriages, children, churches. He has a strategy. On Tuesdays in Worcester, Ohio, on Tuesdays, Wiccans will gather at 3 a.m. and pray ardently for the destruction of pastoral families. Daniel and Carol Ketchum, when they were pastoring, Literally, we were in an area where it was overrun by satanic worshipers, and they would literally speak curses over the churches and the pastors and the leaders in that church. Carol has a testimony. You should hear her testimony as to how she lost her eye over all of this. This stuff is real. This stuff is. I'm not trying to scare you because verse John 4, 4, greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. We're the victorious ones. He's already lost his power. Colossians 2:15, 14 rather, Christ disarmed the enemy and made a spectacle of him and traded him through the cosmic realm as a loser. Now, nonetheless, watch, you've got to hear me, listen to me. He doesn't want to leave territory. He doesn't want to leave the community Now watch this. I just challenge you guys to go sow the imperishable seed in his territory. It's still his territory. How do we know it's his territory? Because we see the fruit of that crime, bigotry, immorality, sexual molestation. We, we see the, We see the fruit of the enemy. At operation. So we would all agree that the enemy is in operation in our communities, right? I just challenge you, in the name of Jesus, to take the imperishable seed and go sow it in His territory. He's not going to take kindly to that. And I never saw it. That's why there was an attack on Jesus and the disciples before they ever got to that region. That's why the storm came. That's why the conflict. It wasn't a natural storm, dude. It wasn't a natural storm. It was a demonic preemptive strike to try to create some type of fear in the disciples and in Jesus. Please understand, the moment you guys say, this church is going to start sowing seed. Absolutely. We're, we're going to start sowing seed. Everywhere we go, we're going to start releasing seed. We're going to start praying and believing that God's going to do some extraordinary things around her. Absolutely. Let's go. The moment you guys declare that, you have just declared war on the enemy. Now, what's my point? My point is, he probably won't sit idly by and let you do that. He's gonna arouse conflict. He's going to arouse difficulties. He's gonna arouse oppression. He's gonna arouse all kinds of storms. Have you guys ever noticed that sometimes, like, man, this breaks down, and then the doctor calls, and then the job falls apart, and then my stove doesn't work, and then oh, it, what else? Has that ever happened to anyone in here? And I'm not saying that Satan's going around breaking your stove and stuff like that, but I am saying that he loves to create cosmic storms, chaos, challenges, for one reason. What is that? Distraction and or fear. The moment you and I become afraid, the moment we become fearful, that is it. The greatest commandment in the scripture: 365 times the Bible says, "Do not be afraid." One for every day." John Lloyd Ogilvy actually says there's like, 360, like nine. But one for every day, fear not, do not be afraid. Why? Because fear is the immobilizer. The moment anyone in this room becomes afraid, do you remember 1 Samuel chapter 17, verse 11, when Goliath was screaming obscenities at God's people? And it says, they heard what Goliath was saying, and they were greatly dismayed and greatly afraid. They'd already lost the battle. They put on their battle array and went out and shouted at Goliath, but that didn't do anything. Why? Because they were they were already lost. They were afraid. And what I'm challenging us to do tonight is this. I'm challenging us. Be willing to go into the hard places. Take the risk, every one of you. H- whatever Jesus asks you to do, do it. Number two, trust the word more than circumstances. But number three, don't lose your faith Don't get discouraged in the midst of the conflict. Because the conflict will come. It will. The conflict will come. And and just by the way, the disciples failed the test, right? We we read what happened to them. Can Can you imagine the boat rocking like this and being torn apart? Can you imagine them screaming at each other? They're like, to hang on to the nets and they're like, grab the fishing poles and they're just like screaming. And then one of them comes up with an idea. What is it? Wake up Jesus. Why? He was asleep. How did Jesus sleep? He had to be sloshing around in water. Right? Matthew says he was in the stern. He was in the hinder part of the ship. That was sometimes below where the rudder is. He had to be drenched. But watch this. He was sleeping. I want to get to the place to where I can sleep through any storm the enemy brings. I'm not there yet. I'm not batting a thousand. Come on, church. I'm better than I used to be, but not good as I could be. Are you guys with me? And and I looked up, I looked up. Yeah, the country song, I just thought of that. <laughs> not as good as I used to. Oh, never mind. <laughs> uh, focus, Rob, focus. Because <laughs> I can easily go squirrel, anyway. <laughs> oh, my church always used to do that. Squirrel. All right. See. Jesus was sleeping. He was resting. I looked up the word sleep. I'm a word nerd. I told you that. I looked up the word sleep. You know what it means? To rest. He was resting. He was resting. But the disciples were not resting. And what's sad is, they came up with the idea to wake him up. They actually ask him, do you not care that we are perishing? Which is a funny thing to ask the Savior anyway. And he jumps up. And he walks over. And Rick Renner says, that he there's there's not a translation for what he did here. Rick Renner says he actually breathed on it. He just went, <sighs> Rick Renner says he did here what he did in John 20, 21. He breathed on the storm. In other words, he released what he was most full of, peace. Oh, oh I love that. Isn't that awesome? He released what he was most full of. If you're full of fear, but if you're full of peace. And then he asked them, why are you guys so afraid? See, in other words, by the way, what did the father say to Jesus? Or what did he release to the disciples? We're going to the other side. He didn't say we're going to get halfway and get swallowed up by a monsoon or an octopus or, you know, we're going to get shot out of the sky by aliens. We're going to the other side. Jesus put confidence in the word that was released out of heaven. So he put more faith in the word than he did circumstances. Jesus modeled that for us. Jesus was responding to the word, not reacting to the circumstances. Oh, that's so good. Last and not least, this is for you guys. Don't quit sowing seed. Just don't quit. No matter what, don't quit. Don't quit. I actually want to show this to you tonight. I got this for you guys tonight. Every time Every time you love on someone, every time you buy somebody's groceries, every time you share a verse of Scripture, every time you say, hey, could I pray for you? You know what you're doing? You're sowing seed. You say, well, that did isn't very much. That isn't very much. Oh, I know, but remember the mustard seed. See, you may not think it's very much, but remember, you are sowing kingdom seed, and the enemy will say to you, "That's all you did." You know what the enemy will do? He'll get he'll get you to compare what you do with somebody else. Does that ever happen to you? It does with me? The enemy tries to get me to compare myself with Corey Jones and and Dan Bohai, and. I know I look like Dan, but I'm actually different. I know it. Yeah, we look alike. we get Are you Dan or Rob? No. It's the stature. I'm a little bigger than he is. He first saw me. He said, "Dude," he said, "Hobbits are for real." I mean, it was just... I said, "Shut up." So are I said. Your name ought to be Shrek. It's in our book, Holiness and Healing. We just had a hoot when we first met each other. It was so funny. It was like, jeez. I looked at him and I thought, oh my goodness, it's not even real. But I used to compare myself to other people. The enemy would get me to, but here's the deal. Every one of you, every one of you can sow seed. I hear that. Yeah. Just sow seed. Yeah, dude, here, I want you to have some too. You, you want one here? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, there you go. You want one? Oh, sweetie, I'll give you some. Absolutely. Now check this out. So I um okay. So I looked up, I did some research. I'm a researcher. An average ear of corn has eight hundred kernels. An average uh, stock. Has two ears. Now, there's various varieties. I'm saying field corn. My grandfather planted field corn. <laughs> and we'd sell it to Fritos, Combach Feeds. 800, two ears, 1,600 kernels from that. Because, exactly. I went to a church once and I held this up and I go, what do you see? And everyone said, seed corn. And I smiled and I said, no, I see a harvest. This is what I'm saying to you. Listen, we're gonna pray, but here's what I'm saying to you. If you guys would just not quit sowing this, you're gonna have a harvest in this place. You've been through some tough times, hard times, challenging times. That's all in the past. It's time to sow seed, man. Come on. God's got a harvest for you guys. There's people out there in Garrison. There's people tonight waiting for you to sow seed. I know it'd be rinky-dinky, but you ought to just grab one of these tonight and take it home after the service. Seriously. And just... Let it remind you that every one of you are sowing something that will not return void. Amen. Are you encouraged by that? Could we, could we pray into this tonight? Could we? Come on, I, I want st- to pray for you. Let's come forward. Let me, let me pray for you. I'm going to put this corn right up here, and after we pray, you can get some. We can stand or kneel or sit, whatever's comfortable for you. I want to just pray down through this little list here. Father, I thank you tonight for the imperishable seed that every one of us have That every one of us tonight, Jesus, have the privilege to carry. 1 Peter 5.23 says it was the imperishable seed that gave us life. We're born again because of the imperishable seed. We're born again because that seed came into our life and brought life with it. It's the enduring seed. It's the eternal seed. It's the everlasting seed. And every one of us tonight as believers have the privilege to release that, to sow that. So tonight, Father, these four things. Number one, we said, would we be willing to go to the hard places? We would be willing to take the risk. Could you just in your own words, just say, Jesus, here I am. Like Isaiah, could you just tell him, come on, I'm ready. I'm ready at home, in my neighborhood, at work, at at the store, at the dry cleaner, at the filling station, wherever. I'm I'm willing to go into the hard places. I'm willing to go to the places that others won't go. Father, take this church into Gerasa. Take take these precious people into places, God, that, that is going to make the greatest difference for your kingdom's sake. Take these people, God, into areas that may seem hard, broken, difficult. Take them, God. Let them take the risk. Number two, Father, I pray that everyone in this place will trust the Word more than circumstances. Because, God, sometimes when we start sowing the Word, it doesn't look like much. Well, I ministered to that person and they never came to church. Well, maybe not in our lifetime. But who knows? See, Father, what, the, what, what, what we need to understand in our minds is that every one of us are sowing kingdom seeds. And God, you promised, Jesus, you said the kingdom of God is like a mustard seed that doesn't look like much on the surface. Doesn't look like much when we actually go through the effort of sowing it. But eventually, it produces a vast harvest. So Father, I'm asking right now in Jesus' name that every one of us will trust the word more than circumstances. Number three, I'm asking God that none of us here lose our faith in the midst of the conflict. Real quick right now, just show of hands, how many are actually going through a pretty tough challenge right now? Put your hands up real high, real high. Come on, put them up real high. Bless your hearts. Thank you. You can put your hands down. Father, you saw all of those hands. You saw the hands of these precious people who are paying the price because they're trying to sow seed, who are paying the price because they're going into the enemy's territory, paying the price because God... They believe the gospel, and they believe the gospel is going to make a transformational difference in dark places. Nonetheless, God, they're going into occupied territory, and the enemy is going to throw a fit. But Father, I pray tonight that you would take away all fear. Amen? Come on. Sever all fear. Sever all all discouragement. God, all unbelief, because God, that's what Jesus said of the disciples. They were afraid and they had unbelief. Take away all unbelief right now from every hand that was lifted, God. I pray Jesus' courage and strength and boldness would rise up, God, in their bellies. And they would realize, wait a minute, wait a minute. I have the authority that Jesus gave me over this storm. I have authority. I don't need to be in conflict. I can be in peace. So, Father, I speak now over every person that lifted their hands. Peace. Peace be still. May they know the peace that passes all understanding. Jesus, you said in John 16 that you would give us peace, not as the world gives. You'd give us an extraordinary, supernatural peace. That doesn't mean we won't have conflict It just means that we'll have God, we'll have the foundation to remain on when we're going through the conflict. So God, right now, rescue everyone's faith. I speak over every storm and I say, be still in Jesus' name. Last but not least, God, I pray that every one of these precious people will not quit sowing seed. Paul promised in Galatians 6, 8, 9 that if we don't give up, we will reap a harvest. I'm asking God in the name of Jesus that Muncie First Church reaps a harvest. Amen? Come on. Could you agree with that? Come on. Just join me in prayer with that for a moment. Come on. That there'll be a harvest of souls. Come on. There'll be a harvest of families. Come on. There'll be a harvest of marriages restored. Come on. Just lift your voices, church. Come on. Yeah, God. God, there'll be a massive harvest, God. There'll be a massive harvest, God. It might be one life at a time, but Father, nonetheless, we'll count that as a blessing. How do we win a city? One life at a time. One life at a time, God. So God, we thank you. We thank you for the harvest. We thank you. We're going to keep sowing seed. We're going to keep sowing seed. We're going to keep sowing seed, God. We're gonna keep sowing seed, Father. We're gonna keep sowing seed, Jesus. Come on. We're gonna keep sowing seed. We're gonna keep loving people. We're gonna keep praying for people. We're gonna, God, we're gonna buy their groceries. We're gonna offer God to to help put their groceries in the trunk. We're gonna bake them a pie and and, and take it to them. We're going to invite them to church, God. We're going to buy a Bible for them. There's a multiplicity of ways to sow seed. But every one of us, God, are saying tonight, we're not going to quit sowing seed. We're not going to quit sowing seed, God. We're not. We're not going to quit sowing seed. And every one of us in this room the way we sow seed is different from anyone else. And that's, that's wonderful. That's great. That's the way it's supposed to be. But we're saying tonight, with the help of the Lord, we will not quit sowing seed. We won't. We won't. We can't. Because one day, it'll be 800 and 1600 and then a harvest. Amen? So God, I thank you. I thank you for these precious people. I pray, God, now strength over their bodies. I pray now, Father, that on every body in here, you would touch them not only in their faith, but you would touch their bodies physically. I pray strength over them, Father. I pray, Father, that you would, you would heal asthma, headaches, migraines, back aches, neck aches, knees, shoulders, foot, ankles, God. I pray for, God, arthritis, fibromyalgia. I pray for TMJ. I pray, Father, for any liver issues, heart issues, high blood pressure. I pray, God, for high cholesterol. I pray for diabetes and asthma, God. And I say, in Jesus' name, be healed. In Jesus' name, release, O oh God, your spirit over these precious people and give their bodies what Paul said in Colossians 129, energy. He said, I labor with the energeo. It's actually the word energy. The energy of the Lord. I pray divine energy and divine strength would be given to every one of these people to be seed sowers. And I thank you, Father. In Jesus' name. Pastor. Yeah. What's her name? Nikki. Yeah. My uh, my wife is 12 years clean. When when our church started growing and we started seeing people born again and sanctified, that whole year was just wonderful. Guess what happened at the end of that year? My wife got diagnosed. <laughs> So I know about storms. I know about conflict. I went the whole next year being a caretaker for my wife. Um, She was emaciated and got down to about 119 pounds and was real thin and skinny, and I had to take care of her. We kept sowing seed, though. That was 12 years ago, and she came back with vengeance. She's now an ordained elder in the Church of the Nazarene, and you ought to hear her preach. (laughs) It's like the enemy messed with the wrong chick. Yeah, I want to pray for Nikki. Father, right now, could you just agree with me? We just say in Jesus' name, Nikki, be healed. Your, your name means Yahweh Rafa, which means you're the healer. I have all kinds of questions about healing. I do. It's a mystery to me, but this much for sure is you say in the word, ask and it shall be given to you. That, that I, so all we know how to do is what your word says. So we ask for Nikki, be healed in Jesus' name. Let that be a tremendous miracle in the life and in the history of this church. That cancer will be gone in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. might seem kind of quirky, but you guys might want to take a little seed corn, remind you. You want one? There you go. My goodness. Yeah, I mean, I'm going you. You want one, dude? Come on, what, why? Why didn't you ask? It, Boy, it might sprout and grow.
1: <laughs> Maybe have a big old stock of corn growing out of him, man.
0: Yeah. Did you guys hear this? He's going to say that again. Said. going to find out what's wrong with him and fix him. And it's been <laughs> tossed around for weeks, three, four, five weeks now that they, they take his blood and send him on his way. Yeah. And I, I, I just got the word, mm-hmm. And it, I was in a, such a funk you know, a little while ago. And that, that turned me around a little bit and then I got to thinking <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> this is God, it's so real. Yeah. What's your boy's name? Bradley. Father, we, we pray for Bradley tonight. Yes. Come on, God. And we praise this brother. He doesn't have any more funk on him. He has the word on him. So that's all gone. We thank you for that. And so when he goes, God, and ministers to his boy, we say, Bradley, be healed. We pray restoration would come to him. We just thank you for what you're going to do because this man's going to sow the word in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Praise God. Praise. God. Did you get one? Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Yeah. Dude, did you get one? Don't, you can't get this on your instrument up there. Don't get it. Don't get it stuck in the strings. Yeah. Don't. Don't. Here you go. Yeah. Praise God. Praise God. Pastor. I yeah. I think I'm all done. Yeah, absolutely. You. Yes, yeah, sweetheart. Take that. Yeah. have our regular prayer time here.